Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Pastor Sean, here we go. Good job, Joey. Thank you. Very good. And if you want a flyer for the Night of Lament, they're in the back. You can grab them. And just a shout out to all the new guests. Welcome to Streams Church. I'm Pastor Sean, and it is great to have you with us. Um, Do me a favor. Stop by the little welcome table in the back and grab a little goodie bag on your way out. No strings attached, but we are uh, happy that you are here. Um, And I'm very happy to be sharing this message today. We started this uh, yesterday, kind of a it's not really a series, it's really kind of um, more of a, a mission of like beyond Sunday. And I was praying, just saying, okay, God, what, what are we good at at Streams? What's your assignment for us at Streams? What is our mission, if you will? And I saw that, you know what, we are really good at relationship. And I think one of my favorite parts of ministry is really connecting with people. And I look at the scriptures, I look at the parables, And every story, it seems like, is Jesus with people, with the disciples, traveling. He was there in the temple, and he taught. But I just think, man, like, I want to be a church where we really live our faith. And so the mission we came up with is to connect with Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. And that's really what brings us together. We're supposed to keep our eyes on him. Um, Secondly is to, to connect with others, and we do that beyond Sunday. I love Sunday morning. I love this time where we can gather and get together. But honestly, it's really hard to create a long-lasting, deep relationship within the meet-and-greet time. You know what I mean? Like, Joey's always interrupting you with announcements. (laughs) He shuts it down. I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to connect. So if you're expecting to make lasting friendships in that two-minute time block... I got bad news for you. It's not going to happen. So we really want to be a church that's about living our faith in relationship outside of Sunday as well. And so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next couple weeks. And again, it's more than just a series, but it's really a lifestyle. And I feel like um, in our culture today, we're seeing more loneliness than any other time that I've been around. We're seeing people having such a hard time connecting. We can connect with each other in our phones and online, but man, relationship face-to-face, there's just something wonderful with that. And that's why, honestly, I love this church. I love our culture of streams because you guys understand this and you guys get this. And I see people meeting all throughout the week, you know, with with Bible studies and get-togethers and pool parties and football things. And you guys just do family well. And so I'm uh, definitely um, honored to be a part of it. Um, that being said, I also can admit that church is a, is a source of pain because when you let your guard down and you trust people, um, honestly, every church is broken people. We are a collection of people that have problems, that are going through stuff. And I saw a, a little article. It was written by an unknown author, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to read that because I think there's a little bit maybe of everyone, every one of us that can connect to this. And the article was entitled, Church is Hard. Okay? Get excited for this, right? That's what you want to hear about when you came to church, how hard it is. It says, the church is hard for the person walking through the doors, afraid of judgment. Church is hard for the girl who looks like she has it all together, but inside she doesn't. 
It's hard for the couple who fought the entire ride to service. If that's you, don't raise your hand. <laughs> it's hard for the man who feels insecure about his role of leadership or the wife who longs for a righteous, godly leader or about the, the nursery volunteer who desperately longs to have a baby of her own or the single men or women who see couples happily together but are praying for our mate. It's hard for sinners and it's hard for me. It's hard because on the outside, people come together on Sunday looking like all shiny and put together. However, underneath the layers, you find a body of imperfect people, of hardships, anxieties, fears. But here's the beauty of the church. Church isn't a building. It's a body. It's a group of sinners saved by grace. Holy ground where sinners can be equal before the throne of grace where it's a place of refuge for broken hearts and a training ground for mighty warriors. It's where we find lessons of faith and trust. Church is family destined for eternity, a family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes, and rejoicing in smallest victories. Church is where the Holy Spirit resides. And if we invite him, he is always faithful to come. So even on hard days at the church, days when you've been fighting with your spouse and you're late again, or when you've walked in with burdens so heavy that you don't know how you're going to get through the day, when you take courage and you come back to church, even though church is the place that you've experienced pain in the past, when life is crazy and you're doing all that you can, but still it feels like it's not good enough, that's the time that we need to remember that God is faithful and that he loves us just as we are. And that's, that's why I wanted to share this article, because even in the brokenness of this, this is a place where we can gather, where we can have friendship, where we, where we can praise the Lord and put a time out on all of our problems. And just like Tim said, instead of worrying about tomorrow, we can just pray about tomorrow. And so today I want to talk about the, the idea of love. Because I do know that life is hard, and church is hard. And when you think about it, the reason it's so difficult, have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, man, why does it seem to be such a grind? Why am I grinding through? The reason is because of sin. Sin is the root of all of our problems. So um, today, we are going to experience a couple of verses. Um, the first one's in Proverbs. What are we to do with sin? Well, it says in here that love is to cover sin. Um, look at what Proverbs ten twelve says. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there. But it says that hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. Man, that's a strong word. Love covers over all wrongs. First Peter Chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, it says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. And most of all, we, we covered this last week, we brought this scripture again. Imagine, it's saying the end of the world is coming soon, so be diligent in your prayers. And most of all, dot, dot, dot. And again, it tells us to continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. And so today, 
I brought a bucket of sin. <laughs> this is all of our problems. This here, right here. So um, there's a couple things here in this, uh, in this bin of sin that we have. Bin of sin, did I say that right? Bin. Oh, it's the sin bin. Okay, I can go with that. So um, here's a phone. This represents gossip. Oh, who's been hurt by gossip? Mm, I think we all have. Uh, what about this? The lust of the eyes. Hmm. You like that? The sin bin. You'll find that in the sin bin right here. Here we go. The lust of the eyes. Oh, what about this? The pride of life. Huh? I'm so good. I'm the champion. I'm the goat, right? Greatest of all time. Um, okay, what about this one? What about the, the price of theme park tickets, right? That is greed at its highest. What happened? What in the world happened? I don't know if it's the price of the tickets or the fact that I bought them. I'm not sure which is worse. And what about, what about shopping and the lack of contentment that we deal with? Now, no hit on Bath and Body Works. I love them. But, like, this is keeping up with the Joneses, right? What I have isn't good enough. I'm going to charge it. I'm going to get dragged down with debt. All of these things are problems in the world. All of us have dealt with the rub and the conflict of this. So what do we do? Do we point at it? <laughs> Lust of the eyes. Oh, how about, how about we post on it on social media, right? Like, here's an article why this is sin, right? So we point at it. Or... Who's my people that love truth, right? I'll tell you what to do with this. I'm going to hammer this. You're being prideful. You're being greedy. Da, 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 da. Here's the problems. And you take the truth of hammer and you just smash it. What does the Bible tell us to do? It tells us that love covers all sin, right? Imagine this is like love, right? Who loves a cozy blanket? Ah. I, I, I woke up this morning, and I opened up the door, and I'm like, oh, it's not, it's actually colder outside than it is in my house, right? I got so excited. There's just something about it being cold, and you get home, and you get a little blanket, and you just get in your recliner, and you just like cozy up, right? There's nothing like that feel. The Bible tells us not to criticize sin, not to point it out in others. Not to be angry and hammer people with the truth. It says that we're to cover sin with love. That love covers all sin. That's a, that's a crazy thought, isn't it? You think about all the sin that's out there, and it says that we are to cover sin. The disciples asked Jesus, when, when's the world coming to an end? You know, like we see signs of that, and there's, there's talks about that. And Jesus gives a whole long answer, but part of his answer was found in Matthew 24, 12. It says, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. He's saying, guys, here's what's going to happen. The people that are loving and kind, they're going to turn, and that love is going to begin to diminish. It's going to grow cold. 
And when sin is not covered, it ramps it up. Now, praise God that he actually can remove sin, that Jesus paid the sacrifice, and he, is, he, he removes those consequences from sin. But Jesus says, hey, look, the, the love of many will grow cold. And praise the Lord that we have been cleansed by the penalty of sin. In Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, 22, it says, You, with your faith in Christ, you have been cleansed from your sin when you've obeyed the truth. So since we've been cleansed by sin, look, look at the next instructions. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Beyond Sunday, not just during the two-minute meet and greet. <laughs> Do you see a theme here that's coming? It's like love, love. It says, love each other deeply with all of your heart. So why should we love? That's a good question. It's because Christ, as, as a follower of Christ, we know the goodness of forgiveness. We know the, the hardships and being con conflicted in our soul. As, as a Christian, knowing that Jesus has died for you and accepting that forgiveness, you have peace within yourself and peace towards God. Do you know how much of the world is missing those two ingredients? And just because we have peace in ourselves and God, that doesn't mean our life is going to be easy street because of the, the bin of sin, as you have described it. So sin is the problem. I remember this one show, um, Extreme Makeover. Do you remember that with Ty Pennington, right? If you haven't seen the show, um, it was just a really good feel-good show where, like, somebody who'd been going through an issue, maybe their house is getting dilapidated, this whole crew and volunteers would come together, and they would rebuild this house, make it beautiful. Oftentimes, they'd just pay it off. So they get this free and clear house. Like, it just made you feel good. Like, you know what? There is good in the world. Now, of course, that show has long been canceled. But <laughs> I, I put myself in the person's shoes who got a free house, you know? And I'm like, imagine what it would be like to not have a house payment. Or if your landlord just says, hey, you know what, the house, it's yours. You don't have to pay rent any. Here's, here's the deed. Just, you own it now. Like, imagine what you could do with that extra money. You could save. You could give. You could become generous. And when you bumped across somebody who was struggling in making their payments, like, wouldn't you be like, man, I have been there. And somehow I got the golden ticket and this show paid off my house. I want to pay that for you. Well, as Christ's followers, that's what grace is. It's saying that, you know what, I've gone through. Even Brian and I were having coffee, and I just said, you know what, like, life has challenged me. But could you imagine not knowing Jesus? Could you imagine not having faith? Not having the hope that there's something wonderful to come? Like, the world needs that. It needs us and the love of Jesus in us to cover and to care for others, to care for our neighbors beyond Sunday. And so I, I don't know what love looks like to you, but can you remember a time when somebody was there for you? Where somebody loved you? <laughs> Maybe they paid for something or just called you or took you out. Maybe you were sick and they brought you a meal. I remember I was in McDonald's and um, I, I made my order and I realized, oh shoot, I don't have my wallet. And so I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that this has happened not once or twice, multiple times. So <laughs> it's happened so often that, you know, 
You know what's great about Arizona is your, your ID card, your driver's license is like good for like 50 years. So I just came up with a plan B, like I'll stash an old driver's license in my car and an extra 20 bucks because often I don't have my driver's license <laughs> or my wallet, right? So this, this particular time, I didn't have my wallet and I already spent my extra emergency 20 bucks. So I'm like stuck and this guy really quickly said, hey, you know what, I'll buy your meal for you. And I, I didn't know him at all. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this guy's buying my meal. And I thought about it all week long. I'm just like, wow, that was so easy. Like 20 bucks, and, and now I'm sharing the story, and this was a long, long time ago. But I just think, like, what if we allowed margin for love? What if we allowed that type of margin? What if we were allowing ourselves to pay it forward? And you might be saying, you know what? There's been so many times that I felt alone and discouraged and nobody was there for me. Well, even that experience can be like, I know there's people like that. I know how that feels and I want to be loved towards them. What does it look like to pay it forward? In Titus 2, um, you can turn there. It's uh, in chapter 2, verse 11. It gives us some really great instructions. He says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Again, salvation's for everybody. And we're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. So eliminating sin in our life, that is a really good thing. And we are instructed to analyze ourselves and not point out godless living in others. But it continues, it says, We should live in this evil world with wisdom righteousness and devotion to God while we look forward to the hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed he gave us he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin and to cleanse us and make us his very um, to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them you have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. So, we do learn that we should be loving, that we should examine ourselves, but there is a fact that we do have the authority to correct. Parents, you have the authority to correct. We have the authority to correct. But we should do it out of a place of love. Um, have you ever noticed <clears throat> that uh, sometimes when you're telling something, um, that somebody's doing that's wrong, it usually doesn't go very well. <laughs> like if you point out, hey, that's something that really shouldn't do. You know, like if I walk up to a stranger and say, hey, you know what, smoking is really bad for you. I don't know <laughs> if you've heard anything, but there's a big label on the side of your cigarettes that say, you shouldn't do this because it's bad for your health. So you should consider quitting. Like that conversation doesn't go very well, right? <laughs> or if, if you're in a store and kids are running around being wild, and you just say, oh, excuse me, ma'am, you know, you should really try to train your kids like this, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Moms love to hear that, right? <laughs> Shut up. Don't tell me that. When we point out areas of fault in others, it usually doesn't go so well. That's kind of mean, right? So as Christians, we shouldn't be mean but on the other hand, we shouldn't be meaningless either. And we do have the right, when somebody's ears are open, to be like, you know what, there is a different way. This sin that you're doing, 
it says that it, you shouldn't do that in the Bible because it's trying to care for you. You know what I mean? And so we shouldn't be mean, but we also shouldn't be meaningless. We should address sin. Here's a little um, lesson I'm going to give you. This, I didn't actually come up with this, but here's something to take hold of after your Sunday service. So when you're like, hey, how is church? You can say, here's what I learned. Are you guys ready for this? This, this could be a really good boost for you. The idea here, the lesson is to connect before you correct. Okay, say that with me. Connect before you correct, all right? So this is kind of a life hack. <clears throat> so the goal in this is, um, for example, let's say your kid comes home and they got picked on at school. Um, or maybe they didn't get in the play that they were really hoping for, right? So as parents, like, we have real problems, right? We have bills to pay, we have projects, we have deadlines, we have the house that still needs to be clean, we have this relationship stuff that's going on. And so when your kid comes home, you don't want to just hammer them and say, you know what, <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, you got teased a little bit. Everybody, got, everybody gets teased. Just deal with it. Just buck up. And that play, that doesn't matter at all. Like, that's not going to benefit your life. I'll tell you some real problems. Let me just sit down and tell you what's going on, right? That's not what to do, right? Instead, go back in your mind when you were their age. Go back in your mind and think about what was it like to, to show up and not have a kid to sit with? Or you were teased at the playground or people were making fun of you. Or you didn't have anybody take you to the dance that you wanted. Or you didn't get that part. And, and just connect with your, your kid in the heart and just say, oh, man, tell me about your day. I remember when I got picked on, it, it felt horrible. I didn't want to go to school the next day. Like, tell me about that part. Who got the part? Oh, and you, you connect to them. And then after you connect, then you bring some correction or you bring some insight and be like, you know what? I have to believe that, remember what, you, what we talked about in kids' church where it says God has a plan and a purpose for you? I have to believe that, you know what? If God wanted you to get that part, that it would work out because I know he has great things for you. And so, you know what? If we're, we're just going to trust God that if you don't get that part, it's going to be okay. But if, if you're meant to get that part, that somebody will cancel and you'll get a call back. But I believe in you and I'm proud for you for taking that chance and to, you know, to applying, to trying out. That's what connection looks like. Or when your spouse come home and, you have a, and they have a bad day, you don't be like, well, clearly, clearly you didn't finish the dishes or, you know, clearly you didn't fill up the gas like I was hoping you would, you know, like... <laughs> You don't do that. You'd be like, wow, like, it must have been stressful because I, I bet you you just darted out and they're like, yeah, I got this call and it was stressful and this person, da-da-da-da. Like, connect. Connect emotionally. Like, hear what they're saying. Or what about this? What about a coworker? And here's, here's the problem with this is when somebody does, you know, lets you down, like, let's say there's a coworker who's not doing their, their project and that affects the whole team, Right? So instead of just correcting, being like, dude, you're slacking, and now I have to get, take away from my family time to cover your work, be like, you know, what's, what's going on, man? Usually you're like totally on this. Is there some problems at home? Connect with him. Imagine him saying, you know what, we, we just realized that my son, um, some tests came back, and it looks like he has cancer, and there's a lot of bills that we're facing, and I just don't know what to do. 
Like, imagine if that was his response. Because with understanding comes a shift in behavior. When you see things differently, you think differently, and you behave differently. And allowing your heart to feel the pain of that other person will release compassion, and it'll honestly, it'll honor their journey. And so the goal is not to point out what they've done wrong, not to get irritated because how their actions are affecting you negatively, but it's not justifying your actions or defending what you did, but it's being quick to try to understand, you know? Like if a, a child says, hey, look, I'm going to play on that playground. You're like, nope, you can't play on the playground unless an adult supervision is there. And what do they do anyways, right? They go and play in the playground. <laughs> and if they fall and hurt themselves, you don't go over there and kick dirt on them and be like, well, this is what you get, right? <laughs> no, you hold them and be like, oh, are you okay? Yeah, it hurts really bad. I know, it hurts really bad. That, that was a big fall, dude. And you know what? That's why I'm so glad you're okay. But that's why it's so important when adults there to watch you and da-da-da. And then you can bring correction. But try to connect before you correct because God is loving. And God didn't make, well, here's a, here's a story uh, about Jesus. I got mixed up there. Uh, here's, here's some stories about Jesus, because Jesus was a master at this. Like, he, he connected on a whole nother level. Like, when somebody was sick, he just healed them. Like, if you had the power to do that, like, you're really getting, going to connect well. But here's a story. Um, here's a story in Luke 9 that Jesus deals with a blind man. So in, uh, in John, excuse me, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, it says, Jesus was walking along, and he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of the sins of his parents or his sins? <laughs> Jesus um, says, it wasn't because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So his disciples are coming along, and how insensitive is it to be like, <laughs> like the disciples did not connect with the blind guy, right? He says, well, is it his guilt or his parents' guilt? Like, that's just the wrong way to frame that conversation, right? But Jesus could have done a lot of different things. He could have rebuked the disciples, being like, dude, that's so bad. But instead, he, he corrects the disciples, and then he gives compassion, and he totally heals this blind guy. Imagine if he would have been like, you know what, here's the thing, guy. I know you're blind, but you're born in history, and honestly, it's not too bad because there's not televisions that have been invented. There's no movies that you're missing out on. You know what, football hasn't even been invented. Like, so you're going to live a couple more years and then die. So, you know what, it's going to be okay. Could you imagine that? Jesus didn't say that. That'd be incredibly <laughs> insensitive. Jesus connected with people, and he loved people, and that's why he was so attractional. I came across another story where Jesus is um, interacting with his family, his brothers in this situation, and his brothers were not being very supportive at all. And so John chapter 4, um, verses 4, or excuse me, John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, um, and then after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. 
So I'm not sure about you, but if somebody's plotting my death, I'm going to be a little stressed, right? Does anybody know that somebody's actively plotting your death? <laughs> That's the frame, frame of mind Jesus was in, okay? So <laughs> soon it was time for the Jewish festival of the shelter. So if you don't know what this is, um, they had several different festivals in Jewish time. There was three major ones that said, hey, look, if you're able to make the, make the pilgrimage travel to Jerusalem, this was one of the most joyous celebrations. It celebrated the harvest of the grapes and the olives. It was kind of like a big Thanksgiving feast, right? So it was, a, it was kind of a big deal. So Jesus um, replies this way in verse 3. It says, Jesus' brothers said to him, hey, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see you do all these miracles. And some, even, some versions even say they scoffed at him. They're like, hey, look, if you want to be famous, why don't you go do this during this festival? You can't become famous if you hide like this, they said. If you do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe him. So what does Jesus do? People are plotting to kill him. <laughs> Here's how he responds. He says, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. That's pretty, pretty generous. He could have just leveled those guys, being like, I'm the king of kings. <laughs> I am the lord of lords. Clearly you've heard of the miracles that I have been doing. Like, you don't give me grief. Like, this is my house. Like, but he didn't respond like that. And sometimes being a peacemaker means you hold your tongue. Like, isn't that one of the most greatest level of maturity is when somebody can hold their words? And so how are we doing with that? Is that covering, is that love covering sin? So I, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're addressing. But I just, I just want you to think about ways that you could connect better before you correct. Ways that you could maybe hold your tongue to be a better peacemaker. And the band can come on up, but I just have a couple closing thoughts to kind of get the wheels turning here. If you bring up what somebody is doing wrong, or if you insert your opinion into somebody's life, is that action going to bring division, or is it going to help bring peace? And what's really your motivation in sharing that? Is it to be right? Um, what's the, what's, you know, you're feeling some irritation towards a person. What are they going through? Have you asked that question? Honestly, here's, here's the problem that I, I sometimes face, is I see somebody going through some stuff, and I kind of accidentally insert myself into their shoes. And I said, you know what? I've gone through harder stuff. Like, I could get through that. And so I have less grace or compassion towards that person. I'm not loving them where they are. And that's not fair for me because my capacity is different than their capacity. And how they've been raised is different than how I've been raised. How God allows their mind to think about things and come up with solutions is different. So it's not fair for me to judge that in that person. This week, I challenge you to modify your prayer life. We've been talking about saying yes to God. 
What does it look like to love beyond the, these walls, love beyond this day? And this week when you pray, I want you to start your prayer saying, yes. Saying, God, whatever you tell me, the answer is yes. So before I'm gonna even begin my prayer today, I just wanna say yes. Now, what's the question? <laughs> Imagine if you put people on your mind that you could reach out to, ways that you could make this a better place. We are the light of Jesus in a dark world. So look for ways that you can love, or love the sin and fault of the world. 